0: You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome everybody, this is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. I want to start out by reminding you that wealthformula.com has a bunch of different resources for you to access at your leisure, including a free copy of my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which you can simply download. You can also text me for that at 44222 and type in Wealth Formula, one word again, that's 44222. Wealth Formula. There's also an opportunity to get a free book from George Newberry, Burn Zones, about his uh, days as a uh, freewheeling, high-rolling, multifamily titan and uh, his fall from grace there. And so it's a really good uh, read as well. So check that out on wealthformula.com as well. Finally, I also want to point out that there is a course, uh, Your Roadmap to Real Wealth, which comes with a private community our Facebook community, and additional content as well as bi-weekly uh, mastermind phone calls for this, what we call the Wealth Formula Network. If you're interested in that, I highly encourage you to check it out. Go to wealthformularoadmap.com, and uh, and hopefully it'll be something that you're interested in. Now, as far as this week, I thought we'd do something a little bit different. Um, when I think about these days, it's kind of crazy to me how the politics really resemble a television reality show. I mean, it's crazy, right? Take a step back for a moment. Regardless of your political preferences. I'm this is not talking about anything political. You have to admit that the last 2 years have been unprecedented. I mean, remember when having an affair was enough to end a political career? I remember this guy back in the 80s who was uh, was the I think it was was it Michael Dukakis? No. Yeah, it was it was uh, Gary Hart. Gary Hart, that's right. He had some kind of pictures of him taken with a, a woman that was not his wife on a boat. And the next thing you know, he had to withdraw from the presidential race. Well, now we have a president who's literally paying off adult film stars and Playboy bunnies. And it's, man, it just, the times have changed, right? Um, either that or he's just Teflon Don. I don't know. But. Anyway, last week we had uh, midterm elections and the drama that surrounded all that. And now the House of Representatives is in the hands of the Democrats. So almost certainly Donald Trump is going to see a flurry of investigation activity and potentially subpoenas in 2019. Who knows? You may end up seeing some tax returns. Anyway, the one thing's for sure. It's a great way to end season two of uh, the presidency. Uh, Because no one is going to tune out now. I mean, seriously, this is the best reality TV show in town. Now, one of the things I'm most curious about next season is what happens with this whole Mueller probe into the Russian interference and questions of collusion, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it seems like both Democrats and Republicans in Congress seem to be trying to protect the sanctity of that investigation. And, you know, I certainly hope they do while it does seem like the investigation is taking quite a long time, and I, I totally agree with that, it seems like, man, let's get this thing done with, I think it's also in the best interest of the country for these findings to be released to the American people, right? I think that's critically important, especially after this long investigation. And if the president is innocent like he says he is, then they should have nothing to worry about. And this thing is actually going to Probably, uh, if that's the case and there's no collusion, there's no issues, then in fact, this is going to be a huge political win for him and he should be looking forward to that. Uh, In the meantime, I think it's not in his best interest to continue attacking the FBI and the CIA. I mean, I think it's important to remember that these people, the FBI and the CIA, uh, the intelligence community, are public servants. They all are people who have volunteered effectively to keep us safe and, and being the front line in a different kind of war, right? Cyber war, uh, you know, all these other things that are going on. Uh, in my view, attacking the intelligence community is sort of like attacking the military. And of course, no one is going to stand for that, right? I mean, you're not going to literally say something terrible about your own army or navy or air force or whatever well why would you say anything horrible about our intelligence community i mean these are people that are serving our country and it's important to recognize that and not to demonize them i think that that's un-american to do now speaking of our intelligence community i've got a very interesting show for you to listen to today uh as we Uh, head into this Thanksgiving week. It's an interview with Valerie Plame. Now, does that name ring a bell to you? Well, if you were uh, around during the Bush administration, remember that, uh, it probably does. She was the spy who got outed by the Bush administration. Yep, that's her. Anyway, this will be a really fun show to listen to uh, for the holiday week, so make sure you tune in when we come back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula podcast is Valerie Plame. The name may sound familiar. She's a former covert CIA operations officer who spent her career protecting America's national security by preventing the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. And following the 9-11 attacks of 2001 and during the run-up to the invasion of Iraq, Valerie was involved in CIA programs intended to upgrade U.S. intelligence on Iraq's uh, Weapons of Mass Destruction Programs. Her life and career was uh, upended when her secret identity was intentionally exposed by the members of uh, the Bush-Cheney administration. She has since then done a number of other things, though. She's written several best-selling books and speaks internationally on issues such as cybersecurity, national security, nuclear proliferation, Women in Intelligence and the NSA Revelations. Valerie, thanks for being on Wealth Formula Podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, I got to start out basic because you know you're you're the first spy that we've ever had on the show. I have to start asking, how does one? I mean, we're we're gonna get into more interesting topics for you, but. I'm just curious, and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, how do you become a spy in the first place? How do you become a covert? Like, how do you just, you know, you know? obviously you were probably not thinking I'm going to be a spy when I grow up or something like that.
1: No, I, I wasn't at all. I had no idea that that was actually a, a career option, <laughs> but I will say I come from a family of public service. My, my dad was a career Air Force officer, and he served in uh, the South Pacific in World War II. My brother was a Marine, he was wounded in Vietnam, my mother was a public school teacher. So that notion of public service was something that I was exposed to. And when I was given this opportunity to join the CIA, uh, I jumped at it, it seemed like it was really interesting and i thought it was great that the government was going to pay me to live and work abroad and yeah. uh that's how that started
0: yeah it sounds uh sounds interesting can you describe your work around the time of 9 11 as the u.s was gearing up for the iraq invasion
1: i developed an expertise in nuclear counterproliferation. essentially what that means is making sure that bad guys do not get a nuclear weapon and bad guys could be a rogue nation-state, terrorists, black marketeers. So in the in the period after 9-11 in the run-up to the war with Iraq, um, I was the head of operations trying to figure out what the heck was going on in Iraq. We had very little intelligence because one our embassy had closed after the first Gulf War in 1991 And you probably recall that in 1998, Saddam Hussein kicked out the UN weapons inspectors. So when the Bush administration, as we know, pivoted from trying to defeat the Taliban in Afghanistan, and and it became clear that their focus was more and more on Iraq, the question was, well, what do we know? And so I was working with my former colleagues and trying to figure out who were the scientists, what was the state of their R&D, how were they paying for this? you know, what, what was going
0: on. Now, was that, was that done in conjunction with the Bush administration or was there sort of the, you know, the FBI or, uh, or I'm sorry, the CIA in this case, you know, doing what they thought that needed to be done or was it was it a coordinated effort at this point with the Bush Cheney administration or how does that work? I mean,
1: Well, (laughs) I, I, I think the heart of your question is, why do we go to war with Iraq? Yeah. Is that well, what you're getting? No, I, I guess
0: because what, what to me what happened ultimately here was there was, um, you know, the, the Bush-Cheney administration came out and said there was these weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And as it turned out, that was not the case. But in the meantime, you guys were actually out there trying to find weapons of mass destruction, right? So-
1: well, Here's what happens, you know. The directive comes from the president, right? And clearly, really, in the weeks following 9/11, already the very top advisors from Defense Secret, former Defense Secretary Don Rumsfeld to Dick Cheney to other senior officials in the Bush White House had pivoted to Iraq. Now, that's a whole other conversation of why that happened and who was. It was a neoconservative view of. Um, how to redraw the map of the Middle East. And Iraq had always been a central part of that. So they really began to ask questions. And the CIA's job is to try to answer those questions as best they can using well-sourced intelligence.
0: Yeah, yeah. So your story ultimately became international news um, when your, your identity as a covert agent was leaked. Can you talk a little bit about the events that led up to that? (laughs)
1: so i guess i should uh start in february 2002 i'll I'll be very brief about it i'll just run through it because it's been a while but um i was working at cia headquarters and uh one of my uh, uh, one of my colleagues a junior officer came to me and she was quite concerned because the office of the vice president had called her to ask her about these reports of 500 tons of yellow cake uranium being, tra- being transported, bought from Niger to Iraq. Now, if that was true, that would be really important because it would, in fact, indicate that Saddam Hussein was reconstituting his country's nuclear program. Right. So, first of all, when she was telling me this, I have to say I was quite sort of taken aback that the office of the vice president was calling a junior officer in the CIA headquarters, that's typically not how it's done, but um, we were talking about it and uh, someone came by and heard it and said, well, why don't we ask your husband, Joe Wilson, to go investigate these reports? Now, the reason he suggested Joe Wilson was because he had deep experience at both ends of this. He had served as a foreign service officer, a diplomat at Niger, and he had served as, uh, in part, of the charge d'affaires at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad during the first Gulf War. So Joe knew all the characters. He knew the landscape. And uh, the CIA always wants to try to answer any questions that the White House might have. So um, Joe was dispatched, not by me, but by my superiors to go to Niger and check out these reports. And when he came back, he reported that there's no way this happened. This is totally bogus. This is, you know, and here's why. One, two, three. So that was done and filed and, and sent away. And then... Fast forward to January 2003 and Bush talks in his state of the union address about uh, through the British, we have learned that Saddam Hussein has sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. Right. So it wasn't clear that that was Niger, but um, Joe very discreetly began to investigate. Well, what did the president mean? Why, how did that get into the state of the union address? I know, you know, I, I don't, there's no way that those reports were accurate. So he was told, um, and at this point, he had resigned from the, uh, he retired, retired from uh, the State Department, he was a consultant, Um, but he was talking to his former colleagues in the State Department, talking to staffers on the Hill, and he was told, oh yeah, it was Niger, but if you want to do anything about it, you're going to have to do it yourself. So of course, we went to war in March, 2003, and these stories start bubbling up. Uh, one, of course, we're not finding any WMD, and uh, stories start bubbling up without naming him, but uh, that go that talk about hmm, maybe you know not all the intelligence was as presented. And after much consideration, in July of 2003, he decided to write an op-ed for the New York Times entitled "What I Did Not Find in Africa." And in it, he just went after the central rationale that the Bush administration gave for our war, which was an imminent nuclear threat. And Joe wrote that he felt that the intelligence had been cherry-picked. That landed with quite a quite a splash yeah. uh, because it was a yeah. particular moment in time. I would say uh, the. The Bush White House was feeling rather vulnerable because they've sold the war to the American people on grounds that are proving not to be so. And then this op-ed comes out by a, you know, pretty, uh, it's establishment kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, a week later, there was a column by a conservative writer, uh, columnist, Robert Novak, that outed me uh, is working for the CIA and that I had had something to do with sending Joe on this quote boondoggle. So that's then everything just sort of blew up from that.
0: So that presumably that was, you know, that was tit for tat kind of, or. It was
1: retaliation. Oh, no question.
0: Yeah. 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 So now when you look at what happened, because obviously, you know, that was, I mean, that was, that was big news. I remember that, um, of course, never thought I would be talking to you about it, but I, but 15 years later, how do you view that? What happened to you? I mean, what what's your? I mean, you've had time to think about this. How do you put this into context? And and you know, what are your conclusions that you come away from it?
1: Well, look for for me personally, um, I was really sad to lose my career.
0: Sure, <laughs> I loved sure. what I
1: did. I was proud to serve my country. Uh, I thought what I was doing every once in a while was actually relevant. And so that ended rather abruptly. But on a much broader scale, I think Americans have yet to reckon with the Iraq war 15 years on. I think it was a mistake that we will regret for generations to come. Obama came in and famously, he wanted to look forward, not not backward. And as a consequence, to this day, we still have not had a reckoning.
0: Yeah. Um, So now, you know, fast forward all these years, we live in some pretty unique times uh, where there's, you know, really where there's this overt conflict between the president and national security agencies as a whole. Was this sort of always there at a lower level and, and that we just didn't see this clearly? Or is this completely, you know, is this a completely new thing?
1: look where we are today in our national politics with the president that we have is completely unprecedented without question Uh, but i i would agree with those who say that in fact donald trump is a symptom not the cause of where we find ourselves um i think what happened was uh those that see themselves as progressive or more on the left side of the spectrum, uh, patted themselves on the back with the election of Obama and thought, oh, we're, we're doing great. You know, we've elected right. a man of color to the White yeah, House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the end of racism in America and everything else. Well, as it turns out, the institutions that rely so heavily upon for a democratic society have been really been deeply eroded. And now we have a president who, besides, um, frankly, his ignorance of national uh, security and other uh, issues, because of course he's never run for office before. Um, but uh, I think I think it's fair to say that he knows very little about it. But he, unfortunately, he, even before he was uh, sworn in, um, even as campaigning, he really um, made enemies of those in the intelligence service and and throughout and not just throughout the intelligence community because of some of his comments and how he phrased things. And um, I believe he likened uh, the CIA to Nazis, you know, never, never, ever. That's always a, never a winning hand. (laughs) Um, So uh, like, I think most Americans, no matter who you vote for, you hope the day after the election, you want your country to do well, you want that president to do well, because we're all in this boat together. Uh, but unfortunately that hasn't proven to be the case. Uh, although by many counts, this is your thing, um, the economy is doing well, I dare say that um, it's rather uneven. And uh, the, other, the other things that glue us together as a democracy, as a society, of course, what we're seeing is deep division, which is distressing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about with your perspective is, you know, one of the things we hear a lot about these days, in, in part from uh, the Trump administration and, and people, because of this conflict between uh, the president and national security agencies is this talk of a, a, quote unquote, deep state and some think that this deep state is has its own agenda that's you know independent of uh, elected government is that fake news <laughs> or is there something that's really to that i mean is there you know is sort of that deep rooted uh, career bureaucracy uh, group that kind of hey this is what we believe in this is what we're going to do regardless of of the government is that
1: well, um, I hope you're not going down the rabbit hole of QAnon because that is that's a whole no, other No, I'm of not.
0: That. I'm not going down that. Okay, that's uh, I'm happy but, to hear that. but more than um, anything, if anything think- it addresses that because I think that QAnon thing just takes it to another level. And I think the reason for bringing this up is more just because it's, it's like this, it's a rallying cry of the Trump administration sort of right now, you know, that there's this deep state is after me kind of thing. And, and I'm just kind of wondering what the, what is a deep state? Is there a deep state? Is yeah, there, you No, know,
1: he, he plays that card well, and that right. whole term deep state actually comes from Turkish politics and look where they are now. Right. Um, of course, they're really good people throughout the government that, uh, They're they're trying to do their job. They love love their country. They might be at odds with Whomever is in uh, the the top job. And that's always the case of you know, because (laughs) We go through we go on both sides Democratic and Republican presidents The trick is uh, of course how to how to navigate those waters How do you continue to make sure that good policy is done? What happens? What do you do if it's at odds with? um presidential policy and and so forth. And there've always, always have been bureaucrats, officials, if you will, who have resigned on principle because they simply could not support whatever, you know, was being, they felt, rammed down their throats. Um, This has been taken to a whole nother level. Uh, Of course, there was the so-called anonymous uh, op-ed in the New York Times of last week that fanned those flames that, and right. what this what that uh, what that served to do was to make Trump even more paranoid and yeah, yeah they're out to get me and you can point to that and go see see I, I would find it very hard to believe that it's anything very well organized uh, first of all I've worked for the government for many years you know it's yeah. really hard to keep a secret much yeah. less organized on on that sort of scale
0: right and you know when you look at it certainly even within the agencies and I think you mentioned something about this in your in your book where it used to be the case that people kind of kept their politics to themselves and yeah. but in- increasingly even within the security uh, agencies these days that it's it's not quite the case and how is that impacting the work that needs to be done?
1: I absolutely believe it has changed and I would actually pinpoint the election of 2000. Bush v. Gore and all of that as a turning point. Um, it felt like after that in where it used to be you know you, you did not polite company or your dinner table, you did not talk about sex politics or religion. And all of a sudden I, I feel that after that moment and then 9/11 broke us open even more so, Initially we were, we were united but quickly fractures appeared because of the Bush administration's policies So everyone is much more highly politicized and we are and we find ourselves in a highly polarized country uh, So how does that affect the work that has to be done? Uh, intelligence professionals are just that professionals they they really try hard just to do their job deliver the facts but they're swimming in this water like all the other fish. And uh, you have to be affected by that. So um, when you have the president at the very top who is denigrating the work you were doing, whether it's the FBI, whether it's the CIA, I mean, apparently uh, Trump's comments today against Attorney General Jeff Sessions were yet another round of a punching bag. I, I don't understand how that is supposed to be motivating or or leadership, I, I, I don't understand that.
0: So, is there anything? I mean, short of, um, short of, you know, a, a reset, presumably with the the next administration, whatever that is. Is there anything we can do about the rancor now, or is this? I mean, we-
1: um, look, you know, democracy, messy as it is, is the best thing we've got. So, what does that rely upon? It relies upon educated voters. And how important it just absolutely makes me want to scream or cry or both when I see particularly young people going, ah, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't know where to vote. I, my vote doesn't matter. Get with it. Um, I, I I believe at least uh, maybe this has changed, but one of the most vastly underrepresented voting groups are uh, young women aged like 18 to 45. And no matter where you are on women's reproductive rights, you really should understand how your vote or your lack of a vote could very deeply and personally affect your life. That's just one example. Right. So besides educate yourself, take in different points of view uh, and get to work. You know, look, we are all responsible for keeping our democracy safe and healthy and i don't think it's either right now
0: so you tell your story in your memoir and it's called fair game um which we will definitely link to in the show notes for people who are interested very interesting um read but you've also done quite a bit of other writing and speaking where can we learn more about you know what you're up to and and you know all the rest Uh, of the work you're doing
1: well i i do have a website valerieplainwilson.com uh which has it's, it, it's a landing spot for the different things that I care about. Uh, one thing I'm working on right now, which is really fun, yeah. I'm putting together uh, what I'm calling a spy conference, if you will. Oh, It'll wow. be here in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I live. And I've invited about uh, half a dozen of my former colleagues, former ops officers, and these guys are legendary. And uh, they're going to come, and for a weekend, we're going to talk about things like cybersecurity, Russian interference, um, nuclear proliferation, and where we are today. And it's not just going to be war stories, because, you know, that's not useful. I want these amazing, and these are really decorated officers, to talk about their area of expertise, their issue, but then connect the dots to today and why it's relevant. So if any of your listeners might be interested in that, they should go to spyseminars.com.
0: Spyseminars.com. And we'll also put that uh, show show link to that. Uh, So this has been really fun, Valerie. Thanks uh, so much for being a Wealth Formula podcast and really sort of shedding light on, you know, this inside world that, you know, very few of us know anything about.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.
0: We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Now, I know that Valerie didn't seem to be fond of the president, uh, President Trump, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinions, right? The bigger issue that I want to remind you is that she served our country and she's a patriot. So, whether you agree with her views or not, she deserves our respect. She is a former spy. She put her life out on the line for us. And so we need to respect that. Now, I want to take a moment at this point to thank you because it is Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, Wealth Formula Podcast has been such a huge, smashing success that, um, and it couldn't have happened without you, of course, because otherwise I'd just be talking to myself like I used to. And I want to thank you for being such loyal listeners, uh, for making the show, uh, you know, a top uh, investing podcast, and uh, for giving me the opportunity to, you know, interview all these interesting people because I have the gravitas from what the show has become Uh, to do that. And so anyway, thank you. I appreciate that. All I can say is happy Thanksgiving. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the
0: web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making
1: any investment. See you next time.